Deep left into the bleachers. A two-run homer. A swing and a miss. Ball game. Liftoff. And history marches on. 22 consecutive wins. From the sports desk of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com, this is Leading Off with Ryan Lewis, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. Santana makes the catch. Ball game. The Indians have won the American League pennant. The Cleveland Indians are going to the World Series. Now, Ryan Lewis and Ashley Fastock. Welcome to Leading Off, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. I'm Ashley Bastock, here with our beat writer at the Akron Beacon Journal, Ryan Lewis, who is fresh off of a rain-delayed, traditional doubleheader on Wednesday night. Second game ended about 12.45, so we are recording this. It is almost noon, so since we were both kind of dragging here a little bit this morning. Yeah, you know, as we mentioned last week, uh, Neither of us are morning people. Um, so whenever someone asks about, you know, hey, when do you want to do this? When do you want to get together? It's all, my answer is normally like the latest possible time. That is especially, uh, today after yesterday. Um, yeah, I, I was actually thinking about any, any fan who may have had tickets to Tuesday night's game waited like two hours until that game was officially called. Then showed up on Wednesday for the first game and waited two and a half hours past the first pitch for that game to start. That's a lot of staring at a at a tarp waiting for baseball. At least it was kind of warm. These rain delays, they seem to happen when it's like 45 or 50 degrees out. It's absolutely miserable. So at least it was a little warmer. Not that that really helps a whole lot. Yeah, I know. I, I texted you on Wednesday and asked if, if there was anything besides injuries that you were really desperate to talk about on this podcast. And you told me you were in no uncertain terms that you were very busy staring at that tarp. <laughs> yes, I cannot respond. <laughs> Too much is happening. <laughs> Too much is happening. Um, well, you know, like I said, we the main news with all these delays, especially the last few days since the last time we recorded, are injuries. Um, so let's start with the two latest. Um, as for last night on Wednesday, Jose Ramirez left the game, the first game of the doubleheader, after fouling a ball off of his face, kind of a, a freak freak at bat there. Um, if you watched the replay or saw it happen live, um, he was looked at by a trainer. He remained in the game between the two games. He was sent to the hospital as a precaution. Um, just Ryan, give us an update on what they were saying about Jose after both of these doubleheaders. Uh, he seems to be fine. Um, not that fouling a ball off your face as hard as he did, that Seems like it would hurt a whole lot, uh, but he seems to be fine. He was mostly sent to the hospital in between the doubleheader as a precaution. I mean, he he returned to the dugout and told Tito that he was ready to go, and he almost pinch hit in the game uh, last night, in, in the second game last night, after being at the hospital for, for a quick second. You know, so T- Tito's basic response was, he's unbelievable after the game. There's a reason that he has kind of the, the positive reputation that he has. And, you know, he... Hit a home run in game one. He's been a consistent force for them. He's, if, if any player is the most responsible for keeping Cleveland in contention through the injuries and everything that's kind of been thrown to them, the number one spot probably goes to Jose Ramirez. Yeah. 
and, you know, fouling a ball off your face and then returning and wanting to enter the game is just kind of um, a pretty good encapsulation of, of kind of who he is. And <laughs> I think you wrote that if he was mauled by a bear, he'd probably still stand up with like, like his fist squared and ready to go. Um, you know, that's, it's kind of the reputation that, that he's, that he's had. Um, I, I can't imagine taking a baseball like to the cheek area and like ever standing up again. And he wanted to reenter the game. So yeah. kudos to him for that, I guess. I mean, stuff like this to me is why I would argue that he is still, I think one of the most underrated players, like outside of Cleveland. I think he's appreciated here by the, the fan base overall. And, um, obviously in terms of media coverage, he gets quite a bit of it, but I think overall, like, I, I don't know. I think he, he continues to kind of be underrated and that's even like stats aside. It's stuff like this, that X factor stuff that just not every player is going to have and you can't really teach it. I think that's fair to say. Um, I mean, except for that extended slump yeah, that, that he went through, I mean, he's got three MVP final uh, seasons in the last four. Um, you know, that's something that Mike Trout hasn't done. Um, you know, Jose, he's been that consistent force. And for a while, you know, he was in a way in Francisco Lindor's shadow. Lindor had such a marketability about him. And then on top of that, kind of that stardom. Um, and Jose Ramirez was, you know, always there, but I think kind of viewed as the number two, even though at, oftentimes his numbers were better. You know, his, his wins above replacement or wins probability added were higher. And he just hasn't always kind of gotten that, that type of recognition, but he's, I mean, he's a legitimate star. Um, the contract that, that Cleveland has, has him on with the club options and the dollar mouths. Jose Ramirez is one of the best value players in baseball. Um, and I, that's not even really, you know, there's not that much to debate against that. He's been one of the most productive hitters for four or five seasons. Um, and you know, he, he signed a contract to, um, you know, to, to get that first big contract there. And it, as it has turned out, um, you know, because he's, you know, blossomed into such a star, it's become a great value over time. It's one of the reasons that Cleveland has, you know, tried to do those a little bit earlier, semi, you know, aggressive based on timing type deals, but with so many guys that this can happen. It does add a little bit of risk, um, but it takes you out of uh, like the mammoth free agents. Um, you know, market, uh, it, and it adds a little risk, but there's also, you know, there can be a huge payoff and that's what they're getting with Jose Ramirez now. The other injury this week, um, that I'm sure everyone saw by now, uh, Josh Naylor sustained a pretty gruesome lower leg injury against the twins on Sunday. Um, he had that scary collision with Ernie Clements, um, when they were both going for a fly ball that would have been like a blooper. And, um, Naylor kind of helicoptered into the air. I guess that's, you wrote it that way. I think that's the best way to describe it. If you saw it, his lower leg caught underneath him when he landed. He was immediately very clearly in pain, carted off the field, taken to a hospital in Minnesota. He stayed there overnight. He traveled back to Cleveland on Monday. On Wednesday, he was seen by Dr. Mark Berkowitz at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, and then he confirmed this diagnosis of multiple fibula fractures and ligament tearing that will require surgery, which he is scheduled to have on Friday, July 2nd here. Um, Ryan, anything else to, to add about Naylor's status there that uh, wasn't covered in that little recap? 
just that if you haven't seen the replay yet and you're squeamish, don't. Um, you know, we we posted a video and there's a warning on it, except what people don't know is that I'm the squeamish person that shouldn't have sought out the replay. Yeah. But we had to post yeah. it. Um, it, it. It's one of those injuries that there there's a certain level of injury that just becomes a, a scarier moment because there is a, a, a human element to everything um, because things can get so serious. Talking about guys is not only livelihoods, but lives, um, you know, like, Paul George's injury comes to mind. Um, my mind actually often goes back to Willis McGahee in the 2002 national title game. Uh, people will always talk about Joe Theismann's injury. Um, it's brutal. Um, it, there's there's a lot of damage in there. He has multiple fibula fractures. There's ligament damage. Um, it's going to be an extensive you know, surgery on Friday, and it's going to be an extensive rehab for Josh Naylor, who just turned 24 yeah, he had really, he had started to to pick up steam offensively. You know, he he had for a few weeks he was part of the kind of the solution to providing um, at least some of the offense that uh, you know Cleveland has lost with Fernando Reyes uh, still being on the injured list. Um, so he had just kind of started to to pick up some steam and and, and kind of gain a foothold, um, you know, here in Cleveland, and that was a rough injury. Um, yeah. Ernie Clement took it really hard. Yeah. And then um, Harold Ramirez, you know, on that day, said through a team translator that, you know, he was telling Ernie Clement that it wasn't his fault. They were having to tell him that, you know, it's not your fault. Um, but, you know, he he took that uh, pretty pretty difficult. Um, you know, the everyone in the dugout, I, I think, was, you know, became just, you know, a, it was a, an emotional scene, seeing – you know, a player, especially Josh Naylor, who gained a reputation as being such a positive, supportive guy who's kind of always smiling. And I mean, I I tweet out the video when, you know, Paul Hoynes of Cleveland.com, who has just he is the best and he has the best sense of humor about all of this. But he doesn't always have his zoom on mute at the right time. And sometimes it's unmuted when it shouldn't be. And whenever Josh Naylor gets on Zoom, he'll like root Hoynes on and, and, and then kind of cheer for him. And just this kind of funny, positive scene in that that kind of just showed, you know, who, who Josh Naylor is. And so I think for Cleveland's dugout to see him just writhing in pain. And even when he was, he was on the stretcher and his leg was immobilized, he was still you know, kind of like banging his head against the, um, the cart. Um, it just a, a really brutal injury. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be out for quite a while. Yeah. His rehab will be extensive. Um, there's a lot of damage to repair. Um, so, you know, and then they, you know, they came out and, you know, sometimes you see teams wanting to to play for something, or you know, maybe there's something extra there, and they they had the best offensive night of their entire season on Monday night. Mm-hmm. So, aside from that, um, just it being a, a a really difficult injury to watch. Um, so if you're if you're squeamish, just be advised. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And to get into this, you know, obviously we are not doctors, but. I myself did take an AP bio class and some human biology <laughs> classes at John Carroll. So like you look at, and I've Googled this to, to refresh my brain. Um, you have two bones in your lower leg. You have the tibia and you have the fibula and the tibia is the bigger of the two. The fibula is kind of on the side. It's the thinner of the two. Most of the times when you see these like fairly catastrophic type of leg injuries, um, it is that, that tibia bone. It just, you know, it's smaller. It's easier to, 
to break there. Um, so if you're trying to get a visualization of where it is, it's kind of like on the side and you have those two bones. Uh, but, you know, I think, too, what makes this so difficult is the fact that he was one of the guys who really stepped up without Fran Mel Reyes in the lineup, that he really seemed to, you know, like you were talking about, kind of get into a groove here, and it was when they really needed it. And I know back when Fran Mel first got hurt, we talked about on the podcast that it wasn't going to be just one guy. Like, it was going to have to be multiple guys doing different things to kind of make up that workload, and he, he was a part of that, undeniably. Yeah, and I mean... He, he had a tough time after coming to Cleveland in the trade last year. And, and he really had a tough time until the playoff series against the Yankees when he went berserk and had like, like Rufian playoff numbers and was setting records. And, um, you know, and then this regular season again, you know, he, he just kind of struggled to, to find that rhythm. And, you know, there, there are reasons that he's, he's been highly regarded as a prospect in the past and, you know, he he has that swing that looked like you know it it always had that potential to to grow into more you know and and doubles turning into home runs and and you know he's had success in in, in kind of pockets um, but it, it it hasn't quite been sustained at the major league level yet but he had started to kind of you know really kind of um, you know dig in and 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 really have a, a foothold and then this happens um, and this is a really severe you know, setback from a, from a timeline standpoint, which we don't have and we won't have until after the surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's safe to say it's, it's going to be quite a while. Yeah. Um, to move on to some other injuries, not as recent, but we'll t- kind of talk about, just go through each guy and kind of talk about where they are currently in the rehab process. So Shane Beaver has obviously been out with a shoulder strain. He was able to get back onto the field on Tuesday and go through about 100 drive runs of his delivery. So what, what's the latest on him beyond that? Uh, you know, he's going to continue to be examined along the way. Uh, they recently did an MRI, and, uh, you know, the team was was pleased with, with what they saw. He's not yet to the point of being able to throw a baseball, but he is to the point of, you know, starting to kind of ramp up with his delivery, like, like you mentioned, um, you know, he's, he's still a, a, a few weeks away at least. Um, but the progress in the early going has been positive. So he's to the point of starting to ramp up like activity, but not yet throwing a ball. Um, you know, and obviously they're, you know, with a lot of injuries, but maybe especially with Shane Bieber, they're going to have to balance the need and wanting, wanting Shane to be on the mound in a major league setting, but also, um, the overriding factor of not not rushing your Cy Young winner um yeah. who's who still has so much so much club control has such a a future in Cleveland is such a massive part of their playoff hopes this season next season the next year on and on um so it, there's there's always a balance of wanting guys to come back but then having to kind of hit the break um and you know uh, valuing the long-term value and 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 the long-term impact that he might have so I imagine that they're gonna they're gonna be a little cautious here and just really allow his shoulder to calm down before, uh, you know, he gets into a competitive setting when he's trying to rear back and and give a little extra. And then obviously the other major injury to his starting pitcher Zach Plesac. He's been out since May 26th with that thumb fracture. He had a rehab appearance with the Rubber Ducks and started on Tuesday. They were planning on him going two innings or 33 pitches, whichever came uh, first. It was the 33 pitches. The first inning, he struck out two of the three batters he faced. He ended up allowing three runs on three hits in the second. 
again, what's the the latest on on him there and what they're saying up here in Cleveland about him? Uh, you got it. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's just continuing to 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 ramp up at at this point. Um, by all accounts, he's he's felt good according to what the the team has said and. So they're just kind of sitting down, you know, each time he starts, they're kind of mapping out, you know, what's next. And he's, um, you know, for the most part, it seems like, uh, you know, he's to the point where this is mostly about just building up volume and getting him to the point where, where, you know, he can handle a, a starter's workload. And then also in Akron, Plesak joined Fran Reyes and Roberto Perez. Both played four games last week with the Clippers and Columbus. Um, they got each got one at bat on Tuesday in the first inning. And there was a second rain delay, just like there was a ton of rain up in Cleveland, ton of rain down in Akron, obviously, as well. Um, both, I think, struck out in those at-bats. And again, just kind of what's the what's the latest the team up here is saying about them? Uh, with Roberto Perez, there may have been a, a slight concern, but he seems to be fine. Um, he had a, a, bit, a bit of a hand contusion, and he's re- rehabbing from finger surgery. Um, so they're obviously being careful. Um, with, you know, anything in that area, but he, he seems to be just fine. Um, you know, from, from what the, the team has relayed. Uh, Franmil Reyes has the chance, if all goes well, to be activated on Saturday, which would be July 3rd. Perez, um, is eligible to come off the injured list on, on July 3rd. Okay. Um, and I think I may have just said DL with Franmil Reyes, which would be a, like a, 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 a Freudian memory type situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so Roberto Perez is eligible to come off July 3rd. He's been doing pretty well. Um, don't know if the hand contusion will, you know, push it back or anything, but the news has been positive with him. Also with Fran Reyes, uh, the news has been pretty positive. If all goes well, he could be activated on Saturday. Obviously, you know, in, in really both cases, these are, you know, needed parts to the lineup. Uh, Rene Rivera has drawn, uh, you know, some, some pretty good reviews for, for filling in. Um, but Roberto Perez went healthy, um, which was two years ago and really the first couple of weeks of, of this season. You know, he's, he's known for his defensive work. He's arguably the best all around defensive catcher in baseball. If not, he's, he's right up near the top of the list, but he was also hitting enough to really expand his, his, his value, you know, to this lineup and, and, and to this team. And he hasn't been fully healthy a lot over the last few years, but when he has been, he's hit Okay, you know, he's never going to light the world on fire, but he's hit enough to, you know, to not make that spot, you know, somewhat of like a, a just a, a black hole of production. And he's, so if he can return healthy, you know, that, that is, you know, that can be a boost to the lineup. Uh, Fran Moraes is a huge boost to the lineup and a, and a much needed part, um, especially with Naylor out and, you know, one of those encouraging pieces gone and for the time being. Um, so there, you know, the, the news has been pretty positive. Uh, you know, on, on really all of those fronts, um, assuming that Perez's hand is fine, which it, it, it seems to be. Well, that concludes injury corner for us, which <laughs> I mean, I, I personally wanted to do, obviously, someone who like kind of tangentially covers this team through this podcast and also filling in for you on your regularly scheduled off days. Um, even I have kind of a hard time keeping keeping track of all of this and just given the number of injuries right now and where guys are and what they're saying about when they're going to be back and when they're eligible to be back and all that stuff. So 
Um, thank you for bearing with us through this. Um, and, you know, truthfully, too, it kind of was the perfect week to to recap where all these guys are, given the fact that we did have rainouts and like delays. Like there's just less baseball stuff overall to to talk about compared to, you know, last Thursday when we recorded. Yeah, I have a, a word doc that is just like injury timelines, original timelines, updates, things like that. Also, you mentioned our last podcast. We joked that Cleveland may be doing rain dances to try to get some off days. Oh, yeah. I think they overcorrected. Yeah, yeah, there's too much rain. There's too much rain, guys. It feels like the fall. It's so dreary out. It's making me tired all the time. Yeah, now we're, we've are we hit July, so. Yeah, we're, we're in July. Last week I said we were already there. I jumped ahead to this week in my mind. Um, but, you know, we do have one baseball point we wanted to talk about, and uh, Bobby Bradley is is that point. So he hit two home runs in the first game of the doubleheader, both of them to left field. Manager Terry Francona has said in the past that when hitters are driving the ball to the opposite field, that's normally a good sign. So what does that mean in, you know, that analysis? What does that mean in terms of his swing? Yeah, um, you know, Bobby Riley and Tito both talked about it last night and that, you know, there there are some power hitters that, you know, can have success doing this, but some power hitters can kind of fall into a rhythm of just trying to mash and pull everything. And with Bobby Bradley, you know, the the contact rate in the minors wasn't always there, and he really needed to become a, a more of a complete hitter over time to kind of build his profile and to kind of warrant, you know, moving Jake Bowers. And that, and that was one of the things about this season is that, yes, Jake Bowers at times struggled, and he did – you know, Bowers did have a, a stretch of a few weeks where it, it looked like he may be opening some things up. Then he, you know, he hit another downturn, and that was at the same time that Bobby Bradley finally found kind of his upswing, mm-hmm. and, and and that kind of led to the move. So with Bobby Bradley, um, you know, he he kind of mentioned that it's it's the result of of two different factors. Uh, the first is that he's he's allowing his hands to kind of do the work, which is something that a lot of haters have been talking about recently and just letting their hands do the work instead of forcing it. I think hitters can kind of allow their swings to, to, to be a little longer when they're using their entire body and they're, they're just trying to kind of yank everything uh, out, out of the pull side when he's using his hands, he's kind of staying back and, and, and he's not the only hitter that's kind of talked about that. Uh, but that's been an important kind of recipe or, you know, in, ingredient for the recipe uh, for him kind of staying back on balls and, and being able to drive them to left field. And the other thing is is his approach, which, you know, like I kind of mentioned, him going through the minors, that just took time, you know, for him to kind of figure out and that how important that approach is. And Brandon Reyes talks about it all the time, that when his swing is good, he's driving the ball to center and right center. And, he, and yes, he's hit some absolute moonshots to left field. Um, but when when kind of the initial focus or, you know, yeah, I guess just focus is probably the right word, when when that aspect of it, is kind of geared towards center or right center that just kind of sets up the swing in, 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 in such a, mu- a much better way. It allows the swing to work. It allows you know your, your hands to stay back a little bit and all of those things can just kind of unlock in just kind of the right order and scenario to where you can kind of become that, that more complete hitter that Cleveland has been hoping that Bobby Bradley has, has been. And, you know, he had two home runs last night uh, and in back to back at bats, both the left field it's a sign that, you know, the team certainly likes to see. It tells him that his swing is kind of in the right spot, that his hands are where they're supposed to be. 
that his approach is kind of what it's supposed to be. So that was kind of a, a, a positive thing. One thing I, I, one thing I did think that was kind of funny is <laughs> as a, you know, looking at it from like a, a, a baseball nerdist perspective, Jose Ramirez had a home run in the first game that had an expected batting average of .090. It barely got out. If it's any colder, it probably doesn't get out, and it's a flyout because he also hit it like a 41-degree launch angle, which is quite high. Uh, Bobby Bradley's first home run, which is 430 feet, had an expected batting average of 950. So, like, pretty oh. much the complete opposites because with these numbers, it's you can't always go, like, zero or 100. There has to be some wiggle room because there might be some extreme circumstances, blah, blah, blah. But with Bobby Bradley's, I was kind of just kind of thinking about what, like, what would lead to it being below a thousand, aside from the obvious of in general with like expected batting average or, or anything like that, you have to take into account all these, you know, in, in different scenarios, there could be a ballpark that's a, that's a factor. It could be extreme weather that's, that's like knocking the ball down, whatever it might be. It's difficult to actually get it to a thousand. I I thought maybe Godzilla would like step over the scoreboard and just swat it down out of out of left field because aside from that that ball's gone but it is just kind of, just kind of one of those fun like statistical things where Bobby Bradley had like 800 some points more <laughs> over Jose Ramirez but they both count the same it doesn't yeah. matter you know that's kind of the fun thing about when Mark McGuire broke the record in 1998 he's hitting moonshots all these just absolute bombs all season. And then 62 was this kind of like just this, just kind of flailed it out to left field, barely got over the wall, but that kind of made it fun. Um, so just as a statistical thing, that was just a, an, an, I guess an interesting paradox. Mm-hmm. I, I think Bobby Bradley's second home run was like 407 feet. So like he, he really got, all, got all of it. I mean, he's, we've yeah. talked about his power. I mean, when he pulls it, that's when guys are going to have like the true, more of the highlight reel, Home runs, if it's if it's to his pole side, maybe or you know maybe to center, but to left, they're they're not going to quite get there. But while it won't be the same highlight, it is a, a better sign for a swing, which I'm sure the the team will take. So, you know, if if Bobby Bradley continues to swing well, if Fernando Reyes can return and kind of return to form pretty quickly, you know that that'll really help the middle of the lineup and kind of help Jose Ramirez from not having to return after hitting himself in the face with a foul ball as much. Yeah. And I think like too the thing with him going forward for me, not numbers heavy here or anything, but it's like when, when you talk to these guys, when they first get called up, no matter who it is, you know, if it's, it's about making those counter adjustments because obviously like teams are going to adjust to you. So like, it's how quickly can these younger guys um, make those adjustments. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to see how he does with that because I think he's just been, so fun to watch since he got called up. And I know you mentioned it and we talked about it, you know, weeks ago when he hadn't even been called up yet, that it did take him a while to, to get going. And, you know, he's made the most of his opportunity while he's here. So like, I'm kind of excited to see him like figure out this level a little bit more when that time comes. Yeah. And that's a really key point, you know, for really any situation, but especially for his situation, because he came up in 2019 and kind of had this same, you know, sort of, especially, you know, with a lot of fans on, on Twitter kind of had this fanfare of this light tower power, which he does have, mm-hmm. but it's a matter of how often is, is that going to come out? And he really struggled with major league pitching the first yeah. time out, struggled to, to adjust and was sent down. And then, you know, spent all of last year at the alternative site. Um, and then, you know, as, 
as you mentioned, you know, he, it was a little slower going at, that seemed to affect a lot of minor league hitters. Uh, yeah. And a lot of guys at AAA this season where they were just uh, for a number of reasons, for whatever singular reason, whatever it was, a, a lot of guys just weren't hitting to start the year. Yeah. Uh, but now that he's gotten going, you know, he's, I think he's the 10th hitter in franchise history uh, with eight home runs in his first 20 games of a season. And he's the first one to do it since Juan Gonzalez in 2001. So, you know, he's, he's really been on a tear. It's been at, at pretty much the perfect time. Um, you know, Cleveland, they're, they're going to have their hands full this week, uh, especially this, with this rotation, uh, handling this Astros lineup that is coming to progressive field starting tonight. That yeah. is a tall task for any rotation, but especially one that is so banged up and so young as, as this one is. Um, that's a lot to ask for this week. Um, this is a, a very crucial week, I think, for, for Cleveland going into, you know, the trade deadline and, 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 and where the team might stand. And so any production that they can get from, from anywhere will be welcome. But, you know, it, it, Bobby Bradley swinging the bat like this would be, would be a really, really key boost for them. And, and it's something that's probably going to be needed, especially over the next week. Yeah. And, and especially with the Astros too. I mean, they, they've lost recently games to, to the Orioles and the Tigers. Like they have to be pretty hungry at this point to try to beat up on some younger, inexperienced pitchers at this point. Yeah, and that followed like an 11 game winning streak. Like the Astros yeah. were the hottest team in baseball for a week and a half and then lost to, you know, with all due respect to Detroit and Baltimore. They, they are rebuilding teams right now. And right. that was, that was just kind of odd. But, you know, Michael Brantley was hitting 341 as of yesterday, which I'm sure Cle- Cleveland fans will not love to hear. Uh, but he's had a, he's had a fantastic season. Carlos Correa has been pretty phenomenal. Uh, Jordan Alvarez. Um, has been just a, a lethal hitter. This it's a really really good lineup. Um, it's it's going to be a, a very tall task for Cleveland's rotation to handle this and for the lineup, um, you know, to to try to find enough production to kind of keep pace. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go, I have to ask with with all these delays, et cetera, this week, are you caught up on Loki? Are you there yet? Did you watch the new episode? Have you watched episode four? Not episode four. No, we're one behind. And I was getting yelled at in the press box because we haven't finished Mayor of Easttown yet. But there has been time. I've been at the ballpark looking at tarps and not responding to your texts all week because I was too busy. So rude. Waiting for the rain to stop. (laughs) The thing is, Mayor of Easttown, you know, that that ended a few weeks ago. So I don't think it's as there's not as much immediate danger of that getting spoiled for you because I can't imagine there are a ton of conversations happening about it unless someone else is watching in the in the on the beat as well as you right well, now. Yeah. So there there are three reporters. Oh no. Uh, two of which are always in the press box that are progressive field, but three that are normally there. And they want to talk about it and out of respect they have held off so far. So I feel like a responsibility to finish. Yeah, you you show. do. I mean, your main job right now is to cover the team, and then it's to finish Mayor of Easttown. And then Loki, because Loki's so good. Tom Hiddleston, yeah. I think I finally got it right. Hiddleston. Hiddleston is so something. I don't even remember what you were trying to say. It 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 wasn't great, but he's so freaking good as Loki. I I just he's yeah. Maybe one of the best, you know, Marvel kind of characters to come out of this, I think, um, just because he's so good in that role. Um, big fan of the show. Anytime we talk about time travel, though, it can get so, oh, like, mind-numbingly confusing because you start to think about 
timelines and consequences. The way they are and, just like, yeah, the way they kind of just like explain this away. And it, uh, again, spoiler free podcast, no matter how long the form of media has been out, but you look at Avengers Endgame and they just like kind of left some, some big holes in regards to this with the Captain America storyline. So, you know, it, it's, it's very like, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to fully explain it away. It hurts my brain if I think about it for too long. It's kind of like if you start thinking about how the universe is always expanding and it's just infinite and you just have to like sit down for a while. The people don't want this. The people want us. If, if Tom Hiddleston is a baseball fan, Ryan will learn how to say your name and you have an open invite to come on the pod. But. (laughs) Ryan has to learn how to say your name first. We're very sorry for the rudeness. Sorry, Tom. I apologize. I got it right now, I think. One more time. Tom Hiddleston. I mean, at the very least, while I did not pronounce his name correctly for like two weeks, I have been very complimentary. Yes. I was acting. And, you know, you been, Thor you Ragnarok was on the other night. That's that's a really fun movie, too. A fun movie, too. In large part because of Tom Hiddleston. Now he's just proving he can say it. He's such a show-off on this podcast. Well, until next time, hopefully, you know, at this point, hopefully there are fewer rain delays and the weather clears up so that we can all enjoy our summer. It is officially July, as we mentioned before, unlike last week. So until next Thursday, when we record, where it will still be July, you can find Ryan on Twitter at ByRyanLewis. Check out all of his articles at beaconjournal.com as well. I am Ashley Bastock. You can find me at AshleyBastock42. And until next time, we will be trying to avoid Nexus events to avoid the TVA.